All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sam's DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, July 26th of 2023. Here we have a five game MLB early slate already underway here. Good luck to all of you if you guys are playing that slate. We have a five-game main slate later this evening, and then we also have the 3M Open teeing off tomorrow morning. So it should be a fun day of DFS. Get that all-day sweat here. Get the uh, double, the split, five-game slates here. So it should be a fun day overall. But for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. Questions can come in one of three ways. Either via support, you can reach us at support at sabersim.com. You can reach us by posting questions in the YouTube chat. Post your questions there. We'll get to all the questions before the end of the show. And you can also post questions in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that, there is a link in the description below to join. Highly recommend it. Get access to all of our similar channels. See when lineups are released. See when Sims run for that updated news. See when players are scratched as well. Get access to all of our individual sport channels where members of the community and members of the SaberSim team are helping each other, uh, giving and taking feedback each and every day around DFS strategy and concepts. If you want to grow as a member, uh, as a uh, DFS player here, joining the Discord and being a member is a great place to be. But with that being said, I'm going to get the app pulled up here. Uh, Snowman said, good morning. What is up, Snowman? Looks like we have two questions here. One from Toasted Taters and one from Craig. Uh, so if you guys have any questions, now is a great time to get those in. But I'm going to start with these two, and then we will see where we go from there. All right. Toasted Tater said, is there a way to have all the lineup quality, salary, projected score, ownership, percent, uh, stack, saver score, etc., downloaded with the lineups when you download them? Uh, so at the moment on the main app, there is not a way to do this. I don't I don't know if this is going to be a new feature on the new version of SaberSim. So for those of you guys who aren't aware, uh, we are testing a beta version of the SaberSim app here. A lot of discussion around it, some of the features that are coming. I think it's really cool. I've been uh, starting to use it a little more myself, trying to get familiar with it before the release here. So I don't know if that's going to be a new feature coming or not. If it is not, I will take this back to the team as a feature request. So uh, make summary stats downloadable summary stats download all right so so if it's not coming i'll find out if that's a new feature coming if it's not i'll make sure to put that on the list of ideas uh for as we continue to grow the app here all right next question from craig question says andrew as a new player of dfs this year for mlb is it generally a bad thing to have opposing team stacks in the same lineup? I realize that both teams can score runs, but is this something that I should avoid in general? What's a rule I can set to, to prevent this from happening? Thanks. Okay, so I uh, want to answer this first part first says, you know, is it generally a bad thing to have opposing team stacks in the same lineup? So the answer to this is is no, right? There's not a good reason, at least that I'm aware of, as to why you would want to avoid having two teams from the same game in a lineup, right? But but don't take my word for it, right? What you can do here is you can basically ask SaberSim what SaberSim thinks. Like, hey, 
how do you feel about game stacks, right? And the way to do this is to run a build, default settings, no adjustments, no nothing, and then go into the post build and then go into the game stacks tab and then see what it looks like, right? So I ran this build. I didn't make any adjustments here. I'm going to go to the game stacks tab and then I'm going to see mostly what I care about is how many lineups are being built with game stacks across the entire pool and then how many of these game stack lineups are ending up in my set of lineups here so on average so it looks like there's not any game stack owned or built as a lineup more than 13 percent here so the most game stack exposure we have in our pool is 12.3 percent to atlanta in boston and then the game that is being used the most is texas and houston here so it's using it's being used at about three times the rate that it's showing up in the pool here. But this is like before I, I went in adjusted mini needs before I did anything else, right? So if I were to go through kind of my normal process here, because before I get to game stacks, I do mini needs, I do stack types, we do this right to left approach. So let me just take a step back here, increase my mini needs to I'll say uh half here, right? I'm gonna do half of the players in my lineup, or I can max it out, but even just doing half here has lowered my max, uh, my um, exposure to that Texas Houston to 20%. It actually boosted the Mets in New York to 25%. I bet if I were to go go higher on any needs closer, a little bit more to the Jordan approach here, we would end up with a lower overall exposure here. So 20% being the max to uh, Oakland and San Francisco, which is like 2x that uh, pool percentage here, right? So in general, I don't think you have to actively avoid game stacks, but you can, uh, you know, just, I would say, uh, do like a sanity check or, or do some type of check in your process, right? So when you are going from mini neeks to stack types to game stacks, right? You don't have to skip over game stacks. Click that, make sure everything looks okay. Make sure that none of the exposure is, uh, you know, you're not getting ultra leverage on a particular game stack here. You could use this as part of your process here and then make sure that you take that step. Okay. And then second part was, you know, basically if I want to avoid a game stack, what's a rule I can set, I can set to prevent this here. So it depends. Um, one way you could do this is say if, so we'll do a rule type group selection method automatic. And then I'll use I'll change use to if. So then what I'm going to say is, is if at least three players group by team. So if I, if I use at least three players from a team, then use no more than one on the opposing team. And then this would be one way to write a rule that prevents game stacks. Basically, um, you could try something where you do uh, use no more than, you know, X from a game here. So I guess I use no more than five from a game. So allowing for five stacks of one team, but you know, you can still end up with like a three, two or something like that. So that's why the, if then works a little better, you get to control that secondary stack a little more here. Um, one other thing with the game stacks here that I do want to point out is that, you know, when we think of stacks, right? We think of stacks as a a uh, a group of players that are usually two or more 
in general, I would say is like a, is like a pretty safe assumption, right? So like a stack of Boston, we used to be two players from Boston, right? With the game stacks specifically here, sometimes you can find game stacks where you are only using one player from each team. I'm almost positive that's like a thing here, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to find a good example of it, unfortunately. So Chicago, okay, so this Chicago White Sox is perfect. So in this lineup, I have one player from the Cubs, and then I have one player from Houston, four players from the Yankees, and then I have one player from the White Sox. So this technically counts as a game stack here. So so be tread lightly with these game stack exposures here. Um, because all the it's it's basically counting two players from the same game. So it's thinking the stack is at least two players from the same game is is the way that this is being read. It's not reading okay, two players from Chicago and then you know one player from White Sox or two players from White Sox. So be a little careful here. Um, if you want to just prevent this with a rule, probably your better option. And the rule would look just how we wrote it. Okay, uh, next question in the Discord. From JWH. Uh, JWH said, any chance we get a preview soon of the Holy Grail Sims Matt has been tweeting about? Haha. <laughs> so, so yes. Yeah, so, Matt likes to tease all the new upcoming features on Twitter and uh, and wherever they may be. I actually did a preview of the beta on um, Friday's office hours. So, if you guys ever want to, you know, go and catch up on office hours, you guys miss a show, you can go to the YouTube channel, go to playlists. And then go down to the Office Hours playlist, catch up on the latest Office Hours live streams. And then on Friday's stream, which would have been uh, probably this this uh, one that was four days ago here. So you can go to this. He is. Uh, and I think we jumped around a little bit here uh, between some of the beta features. So let's see if I can find it. Okay, so this is the beta here. So like at like this four-minute mark. I, we didn't have any questions on Friday, so I was like, hey, why don't we just do a little bit of a beta tutorial here? So I talked about beta here, uh, showed you guys how to run a build, showed you guys kind of some of the upcoming features. And then toward the end, um, we talked about contest simming on the beta. So let's see if I can. Uh, in this section here, so all, a great thing in the description, we do timestamp different questions that come in. There's not going to be a timestamp of the beta demo because there were no questions. So um, that's why it's not there, but can you show the contest Sims that that part is timestamped and then just go through the intro. And then when you're going through the intro, you will see the tutorial about the beta. So check that out. If you're looking for more info, uh, we're going to have so much content and, and streams and information around that, uh, around the new version when it goes live here. So not trying to exhaust the beta here. There's going to be plenty of time for questions related to that. Just trying to help people with the normal version of the app get better and win contests in the meantime here. All right. Good questions so far. We are all caught up with questions in the discord, jumping over to the YouTube chat. Got one question here from Deshaun. Deshaun said, I have a question about ownership. If I get a hunch through research of a few, uh, a few team stacks or pitchers higher owned and bump them up. Does that affect the Sims? It does Saber Sim automatically get you lower owned stacks or players. Okay. Good question here. So, this is one of like the best value ads that I um, suggest users can do here. So, so great to hear that you're doing this, you know, adjusting ownership from listening to other content, listening to what people have to say online, or, uh, you know, reading articles, like 
who's on the front page of, you know, the Rotowire article today? Is it is it Spencer Strider? You know, are they saying he's a good play? Like, is that going to lead to more ownership for Spencer Strider, right? So listening to some of the industry uh, touting and, and hearing what people have to say and then adjusting uh, ownership accordingly, I think is a good value add here, right? So um, so say, say, say you do that, right? Adjusting ownership is only going to give the builder more accurate inputs, right? So ownership is this interesting thing where you actually want it to be as as like specific as possible. So like Spencer Strider, we can play this game, you know, a, a hundred times, right? And he's going to score differently across all of those hundred times. When with ownership, you know, once the contest starts, that ownership is locked in and then that is the player's ownership. So you, you want ownership to be as accurate as possible because that's only going to help the builder to make better decisions, right? So when Spencer Strider is 30% owned, his adjusted ownership is 31%. What if Spencer Strider is going to be 80% owned, right? Then his adjusted ownership goes up to 90%. It has this cascading effect on all the other ownerships and adjusted ownerships of all the other pitchers on the slate, right? So having that, you know, that was obviously a, an extreme example, but but the more accurate your ownership is, the more accurate our adjusted ownership is going to be, and then the more accurate the adjusted ownership of the entire pool here is going to, or the entire position is going to be more accurate. And then um, if you adjust the ownership, that does not automatically mean that you are going to end up on lower owned plays or different plays that those are just going to be more accurate inputs for the builder to identify. Right. So say you take Spencer Strider from 30% Saberson thinks he's a good play. You bump up his ownership to 35%. That doesn't mean that Saberson is automatically going to say, you know, okay, Spencer Strider's 35% owned now. We got to get to less of him. Saberson is going to analyze that new input and then determine, okay, you know, does Spencer Strider still perform well enough that we should roster him at this ownership? That's the question that is being asked each time you adjust that ownership. Like, hey, is this player worth this ownership? And then, there is an equilibrium point, right? There is a point where, you know, okay, you know, beyond this number, you know, he he is, he is not as good of a play as below this number, right? So you don't know if you're approaching that equilibrium or not exactly here, but, um, but, but if you're looking to get on lower own plays, I would have messed around with your, um, with your saber score that you're using. So if you click on this eye icon, you could see the saber score formula here, and then you can see what the weights for all the variables are. So on a small slate, 100 to 1K entrance, we have a negative 0.6 weight on average adjusted ownership. It's that metric specifically that is basically deciding, hey, are we playing, you know, are we okay allowing higher own lineups into our pool or into our set, or are we going to uh, get away from those lineups and play different lineups from the pool in our set of 20, right? And then that's at 100 to 1K, it was negative 0.6. If I go to small slate 50K plus, the negative weight goes up to negative 0.9. So this would be a much more aggressively fading ownership uh, custom metric here, right? So, or or Saber score metric. So this Saber score metric is going to fade lineups with high ownership much much more than the uh, one with less entries here. So if you're, you know, building lineups and your lineups, you know, are too chalky for your taste here, adjust the Saber scores and, uh, you know, possibly increase the entrance to get on some more 
low owned plays is, is the way to do that. And then, you know, if you're on the pro plan, what you could do is you can even build a custom metric and re rebuild the Sabre score formula here and then increase the negative weight to whatever you like. Right. So, so trial and error, right. See what different weights have on your exposures, try to find a, a happy point for you and your risk tolerance. All right. Uh, great question there. That was a solid one. And we are all caught up with questions in the office hours channel in the YouTube chat. So if anybody has any last questions that they want to get in before the end of today's show, now's a great time to do that. Uh, just a note for you guys, we have tomorrow's stream and then we will not have a show on Friday. I will be out on Friday. So no show from, um, um, back until Monday here. So get your questions in today, get your questions in tomorrow, or you guys will have to wait until Monday. But in the meantime, while we wait for any last questions to roll in here, just want to remind you guys, if you guys are not playing over on owner's box, would highly recommend taking advantage of our promotion with them. We partnered with owner's box at the beginning of the MLB season here. First major optimizer to support owner's box contest. Owner's box is an up and coming DFS site here. And a lot of their contests are overlaying at the moment. You can find contests where they are paying you to play your $5 entry becomes $6 by the time the contest locks, no rate contest, reduce rate contest. The, Competition is generally going to be softer than what you're going to find on DK, FanDuel, or Yahoo here. And then when you use promo code SABER or SABERSIM when you sign up, one, you can get up to a $500 deposit bonus. Two, we will track your entry fees for you. And each time you hit one of our entry fee tiers, we will reach out to you, let you know you have earned a free month of SABERSIM. You can wait for the next price tier or you can cash in on that on that free month right away. Once you cash in, we will automatically reset your tracking to zero. There is no limit on the amount of credit that you can earn while this promotion lasts. So take advantage of it while it is here. All right. And jumping back to the SaberSim app, a couple questions rolling in. Thank you, guys. Happy to hang around and answer questions as long as they are coming in. Uh, JWH asking for access to beta JWH, you know, all you got to do to get beta access is upgrade to a SaberSim pro plan. My man. All right. Snowman said football is back. Uh, training camp is back. You know, you're going to get all of the, uh, all of the, you know, 10 second clips where, where, uh, people are going to overreact. Right. I saw one today with Calvin Ridley. So there was a, there was a clip of Zay Jones running around and then there was a clip of, uh, Calvin Ridley running a route right behind him and Calvin Ridley looked faster than Zay Jones and everybody is already saying how Calvin Ridley is back. So uh, really funny to to watch and to hear the narratives and, and to watch people overreact. Uh, so so be careful out there if you guys are playing in, uh, you know, best ball or, or things like that. Try not to overreact. Two very short clips is, is one piece of advice here. All right, Deshaun said, when looking at player ex pool exposures or stack exposures, are the pool exposures basically saying these players or stacks are optimal or best optimal? Also, does the Sims take into account park factors and parks that give players a home run boost? Okay, I'm going to answer the second part first. So, yes. So, we take into account environmental factors, park factors. You know, we understand park dimensions. We understand wind, wind speed, wind direction, temperature, etc. So, all of those environmental type factors, all of those park factors, uh, we do take those into account and we can uh, work those into our sims. Those are, those are you know, static uh, variables or inputs to our MLB model. And then first part was uh, when looking at stack and pool exposures, is it 
basically saying these plays or stacks are optimal or best optimal. Okay, so really good question here. So the way that I like to analyze this information is that not to say that that they're optimal or that that you know like a like a five two at thirty one percent is our highest pool exposure. This, so the pool exposures are the rate that they're showing up. Uh, across the sims at the rate that they're being built at, right? So each time we're building your lineup, you know, it is it is summarizing, you know, how many times this lineup is being built, right? So this gives you a good indicator of, to me, the way I try and interpret this is what are, you know, good type of stacks for this slate? What stacks do I might want to try and avoid? Like for instance, you know, there's no three stack as your primary stack over 2%. So to me, I'm like, well, you know, I don't really want to play that high of a rate of, of three stacks here, right? So having one lineup with a three stack, okay, I'm fine with that, right? Um, all in all, there's probably about 6% of lineups with a three stack. So having one lineup with a three stack, totally okay with that, right? But if I were to be having, sorry, if I were to be having, you know, 20% of three stacks, I might, you know, whoa, pump the brakes. Let's uh, let's rethink that a little bit here, right? But But the builder is really good at doing this naturally, right? In our 20 lineups here, I have 30% five twos and I have about 31% five twos showing up in my pool. So I think that you could look at this closer to like a, uh, a good rate to play these lineups at, if they're showing up at this rate, you know, playing them close to this rate, I think is fine. I think that, you know, you could just use this pool exposure as a, uh, as like a, a baseline safety check, right? So, um, the way I, the way that I really like to use this is for stack pool exposures. So when I am looking at my stack pool exposures, I like to see, okay, who's coming up most often? What are my exposures to these guys? And then who is coming up most often in my top 20? And then what is my what is my stack pool exposures to these lineups, right? So kind of this uh, cross check between stack pool exposure and how often it's coming up in the 20 lineups that I'm playing, right? So if I were to have, you know, Texas here is my lowest, stack pool exposure if texas was my highest exposure on the slate by a you know 3x margin from my stack pool exposure that might be a little but bit too much risk for me right i might want to walk that back so i think that you know having your exposures using that as a reference something to use as your quote-unquote baseline right is is a good way to ground yourself when understanding how much risk you are assuming by playing this stack at this rate so kind of the way i like to think about it all right. Uh, that was our last question. I know I've made last call a couple of times here. So I think we're going to call it there today. Everybody, uh, like I said, we'll be right back here tomorrow. Tomorrow will be our last show of the week, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. As always, if you guys are building lines throughout the day, question pops in your head, drop it in the Office Hours channel. Drop it in the upcoming stream chat on YouTube. If you guys drop your questions there, that will get us a steady queue of questions to get the show started with tomorrow. But until then, take care. Good luck in your contests. Uh, one last question here from Samuel. What role does adjusted ownership play in risk management? Uh, great question here. So I think that adjusted ownership is playing a huge factor in risk management, right? So, you know, if you are just looking at players' fantasy point projections, you know, you are not taking into account how often they achieve this outcome, right? So if I go to batters, uh, Ronald Acuna, highest fantasy point projection, you're saying, okay, you know, I want to pack as many fantasy points into my lineups as possible, but you are not t- you're not taking into account the fact that Ronald Acuna scores zero points 16% of the time. He scores about five points 16% of the time. 
those numbers are not his average projection of 11.3, right? 11.3 is going to be closer to 12% of the time. Um, so, so really, you know, adjusted ownership is looking at the player's fantasy point projection, looking at their ownership and looking at their range of outcomes and then figuring out, okay, you know, based on this player's range of outcomes, you know, what should we put their adjusted ownership at? What should we treat their ownership as? And then the builder can use this in the saver score formula to figure out how much exposure we should have to this play. So adjusted ownership is balancing range of outcomes and ownership and fantasy point expectation to figure out, you know, um, is this play very likely to achieve their out their uh, fantasy point outcome or is this play, you know, a lot riskier and we should manage our exposure to this player. So I think adjusted ownership has a great part in doing risk management uh, without you even having to think about it. Right. Or at least taking that first step towards risk management. Uh, Sam said, will there be adjusted ownership on stacks? So no, there won't be. And the reason for that is because adjusted ownership is handled on the um, on the positional level here, right? So if I go to my pitchers and I adjust Spencer Strider, so, so Lance Lynn has an adjusted ownership of 29% right now. If I increase Spencer Strider to 80% ownership, that's going to affect everybody's adjusted ownership. Lance Lynn goes to 28%. Carlos Rodon went to 31. Carlos Rodon was at 32. So it has a cascading effect on the entire position here. So that is why it's not going to have an effect on a stack level. But in theory, you know, all of these positions combined, um, we're using the average adjusted ownership of the lineup in your saver score formula. So basically what we are doing here is we are looking at all the players' adjusted ownerships, averaging them out, and then using that number as an input to your saver score. So the the entire you know all all of the stacks all of the individual players all get averaged out here so in theory you know there's not an there's not an adjusted ownership per stack because stacks can be comprised of different batters different number of batters so there's not a great way to do that but we are taking all that information into account but really good question there all right we're gonna get out of here i will see you guys all tomorrow take care peace